God's unending faithfulness. That's what we're talking about today on Through the Bible with our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee. I'm Steve Schwetz, welcoming you aboard the Bible bus as we set out for Psalms 89 and 90. Now, while you find your seat and find your spot in God's Word, here's a quick letter from a fellow listener named Ron. I first began listening to Dr. McGee on my hour commute from Las Cruces, New Mexico to El Paso, Texas in 1991. My heart warmed quickly to Dr. McGee's unique cadence, accent, and brilliance in making God's Word understandable to this sinner. While I was first saved during the Jesus Movement near L.A. in 1973, I was unchurched for many years. Dr. McGee's charm, unabashed love for the Bible, and unique teaching style gave me some of what I've been missing. Flash forward to 2017. After years of frustration due to not having Christian radio near me, I finally downloaded your app and began listening regularly to Through the Bible. It's a great blessing to me as I deepen my faith and understanding of the Word. The teaching in Romans brought me so close to our Savior through Paul's brilliant arguments and Dr. McGee's insights. I donate to add a tank of gas and eagerly look forward daily to Through the Bible programs or the Saturday Questions and Answers or Sunday Sermon programs. I'm frankly blown away by the impact of your ministry not only in my life, but in the world at large. May our Lord continue to bless your ministry to overflowing. Well, thanks, Ron. It's a pleasure to have you aboard with us each day. We're so grateful that you support the Bible Bus to keep it going in your community as well as in more than 200 languages worldwide. Well, if you'd like to join Ron and me and others in keeping the Bible Bus on the road, you can call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE or visit ttb.org forward slash give. Through God's grace and the faithful generosity of friends like you, this ministry continues in our mission of taking God's whole word to his whole world. So thanks in advance for your partnership. Now let's give this time to the Lord. Our great and glorious Heavenly Father, would you open our minds to understand the wonders of your word and then soften our hearts to believe its truths. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's our study of Psalms 89 and 90 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now today, friends, our study brings us first to the 89th Psalm, and that is the last psalm in the Leviticus section of the book of Psalms. As we indicated at the beginning, we have here a division that's like the Pentateuch of Moses. There was the Genesis section, the Exodus section. Now we're finishing up the Leviticus section, and we'll be moving today to the section that we have labeled the Numbers section. Now let's look at this psalm here. It's a remarkable psalm. The New Schofield Bible calls it the Psalm of the Davidic Covenant, and I like that. That is actually what it's all about. Now you have here this great psalm that is by Ethan the Ezraite. It's a mascal psalm, which means it's instruction, and it's by apparently one of the singers. I can't exactly locate this Ethan. There were several of them. He apparently was a singer, and he belonged to the tribe of Levi, and this is his. And I think it's interesting that we can't identify the man for the simple reason that the thing that actually is exalted here is the fact of the faithfulness of God. Now, if you go through this psalm, you will find out, as we'll note, that the faithfulness of God is mentioned ten times. So that's important. And you're going to find the word covenant 
mentioned four times, and with it, God says, I have sworn. That's three times, and then I will not lie is mentioned also four times. So that what we have here is something I think that's quite wonderful in this psalm. So now let's come to the psalm itself. And it is quite a contrast to the last psalm, which was all gloom and no glory. And this one is all glory and no gloom. It's a psalm of great excitement. And it rests upon the covenant that God made with David. Now, when we were going through Second Samuel, I paused, I think, for an entire period on the seventh chapter. That's God's covenant with David. And if you want to know how important it was, you'll find it referred to again and again by the prophets. And here is a psalm that is to it, by the way. Now shall we read. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. And my friend, may I say to you that if God's good to you, and I'm sure he is, he's good to me, it's because of his mercies. And because of that, I'll sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. Now, I can't sing, but I'm going to say it the best way I know how. The mercies of the Lord are wonderful. Now he says, with my mouth, I will make known thy faithfulness to all generations. Now, I'm glad that he didn't say sing this time because that would leave me out. But he says, with your mouth. And I can use my mouth, by the way. I've been using it for a long time. And he says, with my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. So I'd like to do that. I'd like to make known his faithfulness. He's been faithful to me. And I'm sure he has to you. And you notice here, the pronoun is thy faithfulness. Therefore, this is a praise to God because of his faithfulness, which was to David, of course. Then you'll find out when you get down to verse 24, it says, but my faithfulness and my mercy. And who is it talking now? It's God that's speaking, you see. So all the references here, regardless of the pronoun, is a reference to the faithfulness of God. And this is a masculine psalm. It's a psalm of instruction, and you have the praise to God, and then you have what God has to say. Now will you notice verse 2, For I have said, Mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the heavens. Now God is faithful. And our salvation today rests upon the death of Christ and the faithfulness of God in saving those that will trust him. That is the important thing for us to note, that it's what God says that's important. It's like that little Scottish lady that I've told you about, that little Scot. She sent her boy away to school, and he came back a skeptic. And at the breakfast table of a morning, she was telling how wonderful God was and his faithfulness and how he'd saved her, and she could be sure of it. And then that son couldn't stand it any longer, and he blurted out and said, your little soul doesn't amount to anything. It's very small compared to this great universe. God could forget you, and he wouldn't even miss you. And on and on he went. And so this Scotch mother kept quiet for a while. She didn't have anything to say. 
Though she finished serving him breakfast, she sat down to eat. She said, son, I've been thinking about it. Maybe you are right. It may be my soul doesn't amount to anything, but if I lose my soul, God's going to lose more than I lose. And he says, what do you mean by that? She said, if I lose my soul, you've just said it doesn't amount to much, so I wouldn't lose much. But God's going to lose a great deal. He will lose his word, his reputation. He said he would do it. And may I say to you, friends, God would lose his reputation if he didn't make his covenant good to David. But you see, God is faithful. We can today say it if we can't sing it. The psalmist says, For I have said, Mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant. Now, God says I've made a covenant with him. Now, I'm going to just lift that out now as I move down in the psalm at verse 5. And the heavens shall praise thy wonders. Now, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. But the faithfulness of God has more glory connected to it than that. O Lord, thy faithfulness also in the congregation of the saints. And that deserves our praise today, that our God is faithful. And he's still talking about the faithfulness of God, because in verse 8 he says, O Lord God of hosts, who is a strong God like unto thee, are to thy faithfulness round about thee. And don't you get the impression now he's talking about the faithfulness of God. In verse 20, he says, I have found David my servant with my holy oil have I anointed him. Now, God at that time promised him something, and God says, I'll make it good. God now rests upon what he's promised David. Listen, verse 24, But my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him, and in my name shall his horn be exalted. Horn speaks of his strength. Then we have another very wonderful expression that is used here, and that's in verse 27. Also I will make him my firstborn higher than the kings of the earth. Now, what was the covenant of David? He's sending one in his line that's coming. That covenant centers now in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's called here, also I will make him my firstborn higher than the kings of the earth. Will you look at this? This is wonderful. When God sent the Lord Jesus into this world, he came in as the only begotten Son. And by his incarnation, yonder at Bethlehem, he became the Son of God. Now, he was revealed in his life of humiliation. God manifested in the flesh. And after he died a sacrificial death, and that's the reason he came from heaven, he became in resurrection the firstborn, the first begotten from the dead. And it's the resurrected Christ. Listen, also I'll make him my firstborn here, the resurrected Christ, the one who came back from the dead after he died on the cross. And it just simply means that the scepter of this universe is in nail-pierced hands. But we're told here, that he's higher than the kings of the earth. You know what that means? 
That means he's Lord of Lord and King of Kings, friend. We're talking now about the Lord Jesus. And therefore, again, he says, My mercy will I keep for him forevermore, and my covenant shall stand fast with him. Now, suppose that his children forsake God. What'll he do? Verse 30, If his children forsake my law, walk not in mine ordinances, if they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, then will I visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. Then I guess God's through with them. No. Verse 33, Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him. Listen to this. Now allow my faithfulness to fail. Oh, my friend, I may be faithless, but my God is faithful. How wonderful this is. Now he takes an oath about the covenant that he made with David. Listen to him. Verse 35. He says, well, let me read 34. My covenant will I not break, nor will I alter the thing that's gone out of my lips. Once have I sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David. His seed shall endure forever, and his throne as the sun before me. And there's one sitting right at this moment at God's right hand who's coming to sit on that throne. He's the son of David. Listen to him. Verse 37, It shall be established forever like the moon, and as a faithful witness in heaven, Selah. And that moon looks like it's going to be up there for a pretty good while. David will have a son set on his throne of this universe, and God will make good his covenant with David. Now, verse 49, Lord, where are thy former loving kindness, which thou didst swear unto David in thy truth? And so these people who'd gotten away from God at this time, it looked like that God had forgotten his covenant, but he hadn't forgotten his covenant. God's faithful. And God has a man set on David's throne. Now we come to the fourth book, the book of Numbers, in the plenitude of the Psalms. And it opens with a prayer of Moses, the man of God. And it's the only one that we have of Moses. Now, since Moses is the first writer in the Bible, wouldn't you naturally think that if you'd been arranging the book of Psalms, that you would have put the book of Moses here, that is what we have as the 90th Psalm, wouldn't you have put it as number one, Psalm 1? The very interesting thing is that you and I didn't arrange it. I'm of the opinion that God supervised even the arrangement here. And because it falls into place in such a very wonderful way, and you have here this book of Numbers, and it opens with Moses and the pictures out there on the desert. Remember when they left the land of Egypt? They came first to Mount Sinai, were given the law. Then they went up to enter into the land, and they didn't enter into the land. They turned back into that frightful desert, and for 38 years they wandered in that desert until that generation died. You know, Moses saw a lot of people die, several million of them, and this is a psalm of death. Now, Psalm 9 is a psalm of death. Psalm 91 is a psalm of life. 
and we'll get to Psalm 91, I hope, today. Will you notice what he says here? This, to me, is a remarkable psalm. And it was Martin Luther who said of this psalm, he says, just as Moses acts in teaching the law, so does he in this psalm. And it actually teaches death, sin, and condemnation. What? In order that he may alarm the proud who are secure in their sin, that he may set before their eyes their sin and their evil. It was Martin Luther who wrote that. May I say to you, that is the teaching of this psalm. Now, notice how majestic and sublime it opens. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. And the word everlasting is very interesting. In the Hebrew, it's very figurative. It means from the vanishing point to the vanishing point, thou art God. That is, from back yonder to the vanishing point in eternity past, looking out yonder to the future in eternity future. And you just go as far as you can to the vanishing point. He's still God. Oh, how majestic this is. And man is just the creature of God. He is the offspring, as it were. Back in Genesis, Moses had written, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And then again, that's Genesis 1, 27. And in Genesis 2, 7, he says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, man became a living soul. This is a psalm that speaks of the fact of the creation of man. Man's not an evolved animal, but he's a creature that's in a class by himself. And he has a body that's taken from the ground, and that's a body that he's going to earn his living down here by the sweat of his brow until the day comes when under dust thou shalt return, because God took his body out of the ground and God created him. That's the picture of man. Now notice what he says, Thou turnest frail man to dust, and sayest, Return, ye children of man. Go back to where ye came from, far as the body is concerned. But a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday, when it's past, and as a watch in the night. Suppose, my friend, you live as long as Methuselah lived, almost a thousand years. Suppose you did. <laughs> that would just be like a watch in the night. It would be just like the flight of a bird through a lighted room coming out of the darkness in one window, going out another window into the darkness again. Even if you lived a thousand years, you're not very much. Man actually is more or less of a colossal failure, friends. And you take his time that he's on this earth as compared to eternity. As a watch in the night, thou sweepest them away as a flood. There is a sleep. In the morning there is grass that groweth up. In the morning it flourish and springeth up. By the evening it is cut down and withered. That's a picture of man. And Moses out there in that wilderness, several million people died. 
He went to more funerals probably than anyone else. And the man taken from the ground, he saw him go back to the ground as far as his body is concerned. That leads me to say this. I've had several letters, what I thought about cremation. I do not believe in it. Oh, I don't mean by that that God can't raise up your body if you're cremated, but it's the testimony that you give. Now, here in Southern California, a great many unbelievers, when they die, they want to be cremated, their ashes taken, and scattered out on the ocean out here. I knew an undertaker here many years ago in Pasadena, and he was a pilot. That's what he did. He told me that there are many people like that. They want the ashes scattered out on the ocean. You know why? They don't want God to be able to get them back together again. He'll be able to get them. Now, my Christian friend, you give a testimony when you take your dead in Christ out yonder and put them in a cemetery. Why? Because the figure of speech that's used is of a seed. If a grain of seed falls into the ground as a picture of his death and resurrection, now we sow them. (laughs) And they used to call, in the early days, they called a cemetery, they called it two things, an inn. That is, a place where people just sleep for a little while, overnight. And they called it a field. That's where you plant your seed. You don't burn up your seed. And your testimony is, when you bury your dead, is that one of these days, they'll be raised up. What a picture that we have here. Now, he says here, and I drop down to verse 8, Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins, in the light of thy countenance. Dr. Chafer used to say, that secret sin on earth is open scandal in heaven. What you do down here, the angels are watching you, friends. Verse 9, For all our days are passed away. In thy wrath we spend our years as a tale that is told. Now, the Hebrew there is very figurative. We spend our years as a moan. That's all we just go through life moaning, by the way. A moan. That's all our little life is down here in sin. My friend, if you haven't a hope for eternity, and if you haven't a Savior, may I say to you, you just don't have anything to live for, do you? And you don't have any purpose in life or any direction at all. How important it is to see this here. This is a glorious, wonderful psalm that we have here. Now, the days of our years are threescore years and ten. That's seventy. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, that's eighty, yet is their strength, labor, and sorrow, for it's soon cut off and we fly away. Now, if you make it to eighty, you are sure going to have a lot of rheumatism. You are going to have a a lot of arthritis if you and I live to that. I'm already finding that out. May I say to you, friends, that's a picture of us down here. And if you make it to 80, it's going to be uphill all the way. We talk about that when we come to the sunset of life. My friend, that's when you really start going uphill, not downhill. It's uphill all the way. Why, we just pass our days, and that's it. It's just a moan. It's well to have a future. It's well to have a hope. Now, we come to the end of this, and I'll not deal with these other verses, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And Christ is the one that's made unto us wisdom. If you have Christ, you have wisdom and you have a hope. 
Verse 17, And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish thou the work of our hands upon us, yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. Oh, to do something down here that will have a value in eternity, friends. Oh, this is a glorious song, and we just passed over it rather hurriedly. But we'll have to come to Psalm 91 next time. May God richly bless you, my beloved. You know, you can listen to today's study again or share it with a family member or friend just by visiting ttb.org. Or you can purchase Dr. McGee's entire five-year study. You can call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE and ask for our Bible bus flash drive. Or visit our online store at ttb.org. Well, our journey through the magnificent Old Testament book of Psalms continues. Next time, we'll cover a lot of ground, so prepare your heart and mind and be reading ahead from Psalm 91 all the way through Psalm 99. I'm Steve Schwetz, grateful for your company on the Bible bus. God bless and keep you today as you walk with Him in His Word. Through the Bible is a five-year study of God's entire Word, and together we discover God's purposes in history and our lives, found only when we believe in Jesus Christ. Do you know Him yet?